the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 170, recorded Friday, November 21st, 2014. Sony, Sony, Sony. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host for at least this episode. Uh, thanks to George Tucker for covering for me. Uh, while I braved the the delicate, delicate uh, temperatures in Orlando, Florida last week uh, with the CI Summit. But I'm back to no- normal St. Louis weather. It's 20 today. Uh, we're actually going to take talk, talk with a number of folks um, this this week, we're going to talk about uh, the step program that Infocom's doing, streaming video, smart homes, all sorts of wonderful things. So, uh, so stick around if you would, please. With us, uh, someone who has worse weather than than I do, actually, Heather Sidorowitz. Yay! How are you, ma'am? I am safe and warm currently. Tell people where you are and how much snow is outside. Uh, I'm here just south of Buffalo, New York, and we have the new world record of the most snow that has fallen at one time in 24 hours um we have 84 inches of Woo! snow and uh that's about seven feet seven feet of snow here in in hamburg new york it is a lot of snow yeah and you've been in your house since, since monday since monday it started oh, monday nice. night and uh it is friday it stopped thursday night and uh my husband's been digging out since eight o'clock this morning but we have no street no plows no street um and just a little bit of food wow good lord well good luck to you thank you for at least you know this may be a, a repose for you actually after four yeah, days yeah, yeah, you know. yeah i bribe the children don't come out of this room <laughs> here's the tv yes absolutely <laughs> uh all right uh, someone else who, who uh, enjoys my fine western weather is kelly perkins from avi systems how are you ma'am I'm doing well. We don't have 84 inches of snow, but we've had uh, probably five or six days of negative zero weather. Yeah. That's cool. Early, even for us Minnesotans, but we're looking for a ball. We're looking forward to a balmy 36 tomorrow. So take the jackets are, off. You know, there's positivity. Yeah, uh, yeah. We and I actually, when I flew back from Orlando last week, it, we were snow on the ground, which was early for us too, uh, early November. Uh, someone who does not have to worry about snow is Sean Robinson. How are you, sir, from AMX? Doing fantastic. AMX by Harmon. AMX by Harmon. Is that a fit? Do I have to say that now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dad, I'm at AMX. No, no, you can, just, you can just say AMX. No, no, I'll tell you what you want me to say. Just saying what I'm told. I feel to like say. you need to say, like, bye, Harmon. <laughs> yeah, you should do, like, the Intel thing or the Yahoo thing. That's right. That's right. Amex inside. Harmon. <laughs> you never mind. I'm I'm not going to suggest who you should have sing that. Maybe Chris Backus should sing that. So there you go. We're gonna there we're gonna go. talk about him in here in a second. Uh, last but not least, somebody else who's wearing shorts and a t-shirt is Roger Tekis from Atlona. How are you, sir? I'm great, Tim. Good to see you after both of us braved that Orlando weather last week. It was rough, wasn't it, brother? 
it, it was it was absolutely humid there compared to Southern California. Yeah. Uh, and Roger is also one of my other favorite AV folks because he's uh, he's one of us that like hockey. Uh, and if you're watching the video, uh, there's Roger. And in the background is the Stanley Cup, something I, as a St. Louis Blues fan, will never see in person. So, <clears throat> hey, you got Gretzky a few years ago for about six minutes. Yes, we did from you guys. Thank you very much. And you got like 15 draft choices for that. Well, that's that's just for John Green. So when he watches it, he'll see the cup. <laughs> yeah, all right. John is uh, he's a Flyers fan, so there you go. Yeah, that, that's right. That makes sense. All right, uh, let's kick this off. Let's talk about uh, Step. Step is if you don't know what Step is, Step is science, technology. I'm sorry, sustainable technology, uh, environment program. This is the Step for Green Building Initiatives, not Step Science, Technology, Engineering, um, uh, STEM. Uh, don't get the STEM and the Step confused. Um, so. Infocom is, is, is starting this program, is, is kind of partnering with the Green Building Initiative to promote sustainability, something they've been talking about for a long, long time, actually. Uh, the very last Infocom 100 uh, they had, which was two years ago, because they've been doing the AVEC for two years now, um, was about smart buildings and things of that nature. Uh, Sean, we're going to kick it off with you guys, because you are, you're our, our control manufacturer on for this show. How important is this? How important is... Uh, Infocom as as the body uh, taking the lead on trying to push you know the whole green building initiative forward. It's uh, extremely important. Um, you know we all had high hopes with uh, lead as uh, as you all know and uh, uh, and lead's done some great things. It's just that they never really fully adopted uh, the technology side of things. No matter how hard we all tried to push, and so uh, Infocom picked up that ball and pushed it forward. Um, and uh, put forward step, which is fantastic. Uh, really outlines how, how technology can be deployed and, and not only help you know uh, facility be built in a more green way, but sustained in a more green way. And so we're excited to see the partnership with GPI and this continue to move forward. As you know, we had one of our guys uh, from AMX on that task force uh, during the step development, Mike Carter, who was also part of the Infocom 100. Um, so we stayed pretty involved through that process. But, uh, yeah, we're really excited to see the GBI partnership. Hopefully that continues to push it forward as we, uh, as we uh, let's go into the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Heather, from a, a, a integrator standpoint, and you and Kelly are both integrators, uh, is it easy or hard to talk to clients about uh, greening their building, or does it depend on the client really? Um, from my neck of the woods, um, we kind of joke around here that we're about two years behind California. So we still, honestly, in the Buffalo, Western New York region, it lighting isn't even big yet. So I, I think that as we continue to move forward down that path um, and people start to understand that it's more than just a certification or it's more than, than, than a name, but what it does for the world, but also for themselves, um, I think it will continue to, to rise. But in our neck of the woods, it's, it's not something that people are looking for and asking for very often. Okay. All right, uh, Kelly, same question to you. You've got a, a little bit uh, broader uh, swath of, of land, uh, ABI Systems has 16 offices, is that right? Yep. Um, from, from the, mostly in the Midwest. Um, so for, from your guys' standpoint, is it, is it easy to, to, to talk to customers about greening their building, or does it, it, does it kind of depend on, on which customer you're talking to, whether it's corporate or educational, or, or if you guys do the residential part? Yeah, I mean... For example, we—I I mean, just internally, we—we we just moved offices um, in our Kansas City area, and the office down there is—it's green. Um, 
it was an initiative when we moved into the office, and it's just just with the lighting and stuff. I mean, just the amount of cost savings. I think you can really get um, you can really get customers' attention. <laughs> you know, um, one of another one of our big clients um, down in Iowa, they you know they have the automatic shades that you know move or they you know alter with you know the sun and um, as the day goes by, and it's just I think the amount of savings you can get with electricity with heat and everything I think I think it's people are listening to it okay uh, Roger you you I take this question from two different angles first of all you are in California right uh, and as Heather you know kind of jokingly said you know Buffalo is two years behind California California has a number of laws and regulations in place when it comes to electricity and the types of uh, light bulbs you guys can use so take it from both angles first from Atlona and, and, and trying to talk to the customers about uh, the importance of power management, like Kelly said, uh, but also from a resident of, of California, how that affects you know the the systems you guys put in. Well, uh, I think that from the, per the you actually mentioned the exact way I was going to go okay. as I read through this story, and and that was government regulations and tax incentives. Yeah. Because as we look at it in California, yeah, people want to save money. They want to do whatever is going to give them the best tax incentive uh, on what they're going to install. And that's across the board. Uh, as you know from my past and, and where I was before at Lona, uh, I was trying to sell this concept a lot. There, there were a lot of people that were very intrigued by it. I mean, Sean brings up a great point. I mean, this is something that Infocom is behind now. The GBI is involved in it. I mean, I've been trying to sell this concept for a long time. But what it's going to really come down to is tax incentives and, and really where and who is going to make the money on this. And I, I wanted to hear what Kelly and what Heather had to say, because I know what Tim has to say. Tim really likes this idea. I love it. Because it's the programmer who's the last guy out. It's the programmer who ultimately has to make everything work and make all this green and everything go together and function the way that everyone wants it to be. It's also the programmer that has to be the first guy in or the project manager or something. This is, this is an area where there is no standard, there is no business case, there's not even a large group of consultants that are focused on this and until the industry, and I'm not sure which industry it is, which is one of the more interesting things, is who is really in charge of this? Infocom would like to step up and, and say that it's Infocom, but I think Kelly brought it up, it was lighting, and lighting was one of the first things that does come up when you talk about going green. If you put an LED light bulb in somewhere, it doesn't use a lot of energy. In fact, uh, Sean may even agree that the cost to control an LED light bulb actually costs more than the energy the LED light bulb uses over the course of the life of the light bulb. So when we start looking at things like this, uh, it all comes down to the tax incentives and the rebates that someone's going to be able to get through there. Because the quarter of a million to half a million dollars that, that someone's going to have to spend in order to actually be able to make this happen has to come out of something. And they, they have to be able to go into this with the idea that, okay, I'm going to spend a half a million dollars on Tim Albright to come in here, and Tim is going to make this thing green and make it work, but it's going to cost me a half a million dollars over the 18 months that Tim's going to be working on this. Other than that, uh, they're going to put in some new light bulbs, and, and maybe they'll put in a solar panel. Uh, so. Yeah, just to, just to add on to what Roger's saying and what, the, and what, uh, what uh, both Heather and Kelly were alluding to, too, We've seen, again, the technology is not difficult, right? I mean, the technology is already out there. 
um, is the, what we call the buying problem, and that is the person making the buying decision. Um, because when you get in these situations, facilities and IT and uh, mechanical, electrical, all those guys are not, none of one, neither, there's not one person that can make that final decision. Where we've seen this move forward and you can create an entire, a truly smart building is when the owner puts that as one of the key initiatives for the building. And they typically will do it from a marketing, for a marketing, pers uh, from a marketing perspective. Um, so we recently just had one um, in, um, uh, in California, in Costa Mesa, but this happened residentially, right? But it was the, uh, the Honda house, our, our partner out in California in Costa Mesa, Kentura, did a fantastic job. But Honda was doing this proof of concept, again, a marketing thing where they were showing that the car, their electric, their, their electric vehicle, plus their house, everything was designed in a way and controlled and brought together in a way uh, with all the programming so that um, it's actually carbon negative, including their, the, the, the car, right? So when you combine the, the car and the house together, carbon negative, it definitely can be done. It's just, you know, there is a cost to it, as Roger said, and somebody's got to drive it. Tax incentives are a great way to push this forward. Sean, I think one of the points, too, um, with the Honda house was how user-friendly that interface was. Exactly. So as someone who has had the ability to see many interfaces over the last year, um, I would say that that Honda house had to be, bar none, if not the best interface to come out of the last year, one of the top five, one of the top ten. Um, mm -hmm. And until we can make that easy, um, which is, you know, where Crash Run Ping is coming in and those kind of things. I think it, I think even with those incentives, sure, they'll push forward, but it won't grow until we, it's easy to use. Yeah. And, and, and we forget amount, about that. Yeah, there, that's right, because there's a tremendous amount of systems involved. It's not just the AV system and the lighting system. Now you're bringing in uh, solar panels, geothermal systems. It's all got to be brought together in a very simplified user experience. That's true. That's key. Okay, so let me let me ask you guys this. You, Roger, mentioned the tax incentives, and it, that's great, especially you know if you're in the state of California, electricity is high out there, and, and I know a, a number of, of you know AV industry folks out there that have done this and try to you know get the tax incentives. But one of the other stories we're going to talk about is is selling AV and selling the smart home idea and, and smart building idea to to middle America, right, to, to middle income folks. Uh, you know, half a million dollars for, for me for six months. And by the way, I, I am not that expensive. 400000 <laughs> at the most. Um, is, is great if, if you're talking about a big building, right? You're talking about, you know, Boeing or, or MasterCard or, or, or Apple, you know, and their, and their big spaceship, right? And making that, that, you know, green. But what about, you know, you know somebody's mom and dad who is, you know, in, in the middle of Wyoming, who simply want to lower their their electricity bill, right? Or they simply want to try to get carbon negative, as, as you know, as the Honda house. How do we sell that to them, right? Because first of all, it's not going to cost you know a couple hundred thousand dollars, but it's going to be more. There's going to be more of an outlay. Uh, it's it's the same conversation about about uh, solar panels or, or wind farms. You know, yes, they're expensive, uh, and so you've got to kind of juggle that and say, okay, how long am I going to be in my house? How much cash do I have on hand? to, you know, make an investment in this and how important is this to me, right? Um, Sean, is there something you guys can do as manufacturers, not to put it all on manufacturers, but but uh, a lot of times that's where folks see it first, right? They, they see right. the cool nest, they see the cool lights from, from Philips or what have you, they see the, the interface from AMX. Is there something right. you guys can do to, to kind of further this and, and get it out of the, uh, the higher income brackets into more of a, a middle America? 
Well, I think you just hit on it, Tim. When you're talking about middle America, it starts with something that's extremely cost-effective, so there's not a cost barrier to doing it, and extremely easy to install. And so Nest Thermostat would be an excellent example because when you look at the energy expenditure for most homes, typically HVAC is going to be up there at the top. And so the thermostat is a, an excellent entry point into helping a uh, – uh, a middle America type of homeowner reduce energy costs. Again, very easy to install. Um, and, and to Heather's point, that goes back into user experience. You know, the programmable thermostats, the reason those things were never used and, and completely failed to deliver on what they were supposed to do from an energy perspective is nobody knew how to program them, right? Exactly. And along comes Nest and, and some other guys that are now putting some thermostats out that are, you know, pretty much programming themselves just based on how things are being used and detecting when people are not home. And that is the great entry point. Lighting gets a little bit more involved, of course, but again, you're seeing some uh, now with the LED light bulbs and things like that. If you know how to change a light bulb, and I know there's lots of jokes behind that, but if you can literally <laughs> change a light bulb, then you can add in lighting control. Now, now you're not having to pull out light switches and things like that, and then through your smart smartphone, be able to control it all. So I think those are excellent entry points. And of course, the rest of the IoT is going to continue to add value around that. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, it's like it's. You really have to start simple. I mean, and like you said about middle America adoption and stuff, like, for example, my grandmother's 90 years old, and I had I put up Christmas lights for her every year on her deck. And this year she said, pick up LED lights. You know, they last longer. They're, they're going to save me money and electricity. And so, I mean, you know, if you just start from, like, the basic, okay, she's 90 years old, she lives in Minnesota, and she's telling me that she wants to have LED Christmas lights. You know, they're a little bit more expensive, but she she sees it as, like, cost-saving and, you know, she's not going to have to deal with them as much later. So, I mean, it's consumer adoption. It's starting simple. It's marketing, you know. Once once it's marketed, and I think I think eventually we'll get there, but I, I think, yeah, middle America and I think consumers really need to adopt it first. Did you get her the solar LED lights or, or the plug-in version of the LED lights? The plug-in version. <laughs> yeah, they don't have very much sun in, in Minnesota in the winter time. Oh, that's right. There's the other. Push in the winter. <laughs> um, I, with, with Middle America, I feel that's I, – I, I deal with Middle American people more than, more than anybody else. I, I think that for, for us, at least in Buffalo, again, not California, we don't have those strict, our, our energy's not out of, the, out of, the, out of this world. Um, what people are looking for is a way to make their life better. And if you kind of feed them that first bite, it tends to grow. So I feel that only now in 2014, we're on this precipice of of the smart home of the now we know they exist and we get so immersed in our everyday is that we're like oh of course it doesn't of course everybody knows but like one of these articles how many people really understand what that even means and some people in our industry don't even really understand the different what's a smart home for versus automation um it's really only now with the advent of something like sonos um say what you want about it but Sonos came out with something that's so user-friendly, um, anyone can truly use it. And it's almost frustrating for people who do this every day because we know better. We know that with one button push, you could do these things. But if they understand that three button pushes will always turn on my Pandora in my kitchen, the middle American is happy with that. They're blown away by the concept of that. That's, that's something completely different to them. And now I can sell the idea of, well, if I take this system with this other system and now here's the lighting and all I did was switch out some dimmers 
and now from an, the same app or even a secondary app, you know, people are getting excited about that. And really, we're only in the beginning days of what simplicity can and should be on the smart home. Um, they exist out there. They exist all over. They're these millions of millions of dollars and thousands of square thousands of square feet. But in middle America, I think the concept's only beginning. I think that I think it's a really exciting time for that same reason, um, as we're seeing these these companies come out with some really really great new products. Yeah, absolutely. One of, one of the neatest things is is watching um, things like the smart home kind of trickle down. Uh, you know, a lot of us you know, were around when the first plasmas came out. And I still remember a, a buddy of mine worked at Circuit, Circuit City at the time, which is how long ago. The leak, was. I heard. Yeah. <laughs> um, he uh, he sold one of the, you know, one of the first plasmas in St. Louis, and it was $20,000 for, you know, a 30 or 40 inch plasma. Wow. It's yep. 25 years ago. But, you know, now, well, plasmas are wrong. They're, they're wrong because you can't even, buy those anymore. But it was about 14 years ago, I think, when we got our first plasma in the store. We sold two that year to a millionaire, and yeah. he bought two for $16,000. Um, I mean, and that just goes to show you in that short span of time how much has changed. Yeah, and, and how long before they had burn in, and he brought it back and said, how come I can't get this image off the screen? Actually, <laughs> one of them is still running. And that's why I still love plasma, <laughs> just so you know. And I was very sad when I saw that it was a, you know they they started discontinuing them. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, on my side, one of the things that is really exciting for people when they come over to my house because I'm one of I guess I, I I'm a little AV nuts when it comes to my home. I, nothing I put wrong with as that. Much as I, what's that? Nothing, nothing wrong with wrong. that. Oh, thanks. Uh, so I, I put as much as I possibly can into my home. So every everything you're talking about except the thermostat is what I put in my home so far. Uh, but one of the coolest things, after we get past the shades and the lighting and, and all that wonderful stuff, is really the video distribution. Uh, and when you've got the ability to put it all in one spot and just run a single piece of category wire out to all your different rooms and watch the same thing wherever you are from whatever device you're using, it really is cool. And when people come over for poker, uh, and we play poker in the backyard, even in November, we play poker in the backyard. Then, <laughs> uh, and people are able to watch whatever we want to watch from wherever in the house, and be able to do that. And people start to get it. You know, we've got the distributed audio on the patio as well, so we can be watching something on TV, listening to something different on the speakers. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. Now, I play with a lot of AV industry guys in Southern California, and none of them have anything. Uh, I mean. It is amazing how little people in our own industry actually have. And, and that's the part that amazes me more than anything else. It's not that there's a lot of access and a lot of really cool things coming because like what Heather brought up, I mean, there is really cool stuff coming and that's out there available right now. But the AV group, those of us that are in the know that wouldn't be in the 2% of people that know what it is, uh, we don't use it ourselves a lot, which is the scariest part of the whole thing. Roger, I would say four out of five people that walk into my store don't take equipment and put it not with the TV. So when I explain to them that my equipment lives down in the basement or this, there's this thing called a balance and it works, <laughs> um, that blows people away. So that just like there's that middle America. They don't even know that part. The, the LCD screen and the plasma screen did more for our industry, especially on the home theater side, where people don't want to see the equipment anymore. You know, the big armoire, the big entertainment center where all your stuff with all its flashy lights was right there underneath the TV. 
people don't want to see that. They want to see the TV up on a mount and they want to see nothing. They don't want to even see a wire going to the TV. And that has generated a ton of business for our industry across the board. Now, of course, in the commercial side of the world where I think we all play, uh, that doesn't have as much effect because we really hit it all anyway. But in the home, it's completely changed a lot for everybody else that way. And you can say at Lona, HDMI extender instead of a balance. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very well you know, done. I only use it at Lona, so. That's right. Oh, my goodness. There's, mm. Never mind. Uh, no, to Roger's point, though, yes. I, I, I think that's in commercial, too. Um, in, in boardrooms and conference rooms, people don't want racks of equipment anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, even credenzas, right? Everything's disappearing out of rooms, and you'll have a display or a projector, but they don't want equipment anywhere. So being able to do that over structured cabling and get all the equipment hit somewhere else, and, and in fact, from a commercial perspective, the more equipment you can uh, consolidate into a data center where it can be managed in a secure fashion, the yeah. better, right? So I think it's residential and commercial. Actually, we're running into issues right now uh, from the consultant side of, of Innovad, my, my full-time job, where we are having, um, I'm going to call it a fight, but, but an interesting conversation with the IT department who they know they get, they can buy stacks and pallets of flat panels and explaining to, him the, explaining to them the benefits of projectors versus flat panels, right? The, the projectors, for some reason, are, are still like an anomaly to, to some yeah. IT uh, uh, groups and you know well you know I, I get that it's you know 10% or, or you know 10 inches bigger or 20 inches bigger or however bigger screen you're talking about I could just get an 80 inch or a 90 inch and, and throw it up on the wall well yes if you're watching a movie um, but if you're doing a PowerPoint or a, 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 a Excel spreadsheet right I had a, an IT guy uh, say that he wants a four by uh, a two by two video wall for their boardroom and nine times out of ten, what they're showing is an Excel spreadsheet. Right. What are Excel spreadsheets made of, kids? Lines. Lines. What's going to happen <laughs> between those 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 uh, bezels? <laughs> You're going to lose those lines, kid. Yeah, that and that that's it's an interesting conversation. So, well, what's even funny funnier about that is uh, at Infocom this year, we were showing an Excel spreadsheet as one of our slides on a 4K TV going through one of our switchers, mm. and. When someone walked up and said, oh, I need 4K in my boardroom, I said, really? Are you going to put a spreadsheet at 100% up on your screen? Look. And and it was just literally, you know, you have to remind people, it's four times the resolution of right. HD. Mm -hmm. And you're not putting 1080p spreadsheets on your TV at 100%. No. So now put four times the amount of information of 1080p on your TV at 100%. You now have a spreadsheet that's completely useless to anybody who's looking at it. Yeah, I mean, my eyes are good, but, you know, good Lord. Uh, one thing I, I say, I want to come back around to something Roger said. Uh, Sean, we'll start with you on this one. There, are, He's right. There are a lot of AV professionals that I know that simply don't have a great amount of, of AV in their uh, mm -hmm. in their houses. Uh, you know, they, they live and breathe this stuff, you know, nine to five every day, uh, but they simply don't, you know, it, it's not something that they bring home. Now, there are a lot out there that also that do bring it home as well. Uh, but I think there's more, actually, that, that don't. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think it goes back to what he a point Heather made at the front end is how simple it is to install. Um, it's If you work in the industry, uh, cost is not an issue. Uh, I can tell you, I can get some pretty good discounts on AMX gear, and I've got my house all tricked out, right? 
when I did my house back in the 2005 time frame, you know, with the old MVP, uh, MVP 8400 and lighting control and thermostats and, and all that kind of stuff, um, yeah, I programmed it myself. Um, and and it, it was very good for me because coming into the industry and, and coming into AMX, it was a great experience for me to learn how to program it by doing it myself. But, you know, if you've got somebody who works in operations or finance or something like that, somebody who doesn't work in the product development area, they're probably going, eh, that'd be nice, but that's just too much friction for me to actually spend time at home doing this. And you have to have a real passion for it. Um, but you know what? You shouldn't be in the industry unless you have a true passion for it. If you don't have a passion for it, find another industry you do have a passion for. That's, yeah. you know. Um, but, uh, but, but, but I think it comes down to how simple things are to install. Because um, I can tell you, now that we have access to the Harman Employee Store, <laughs> oh, no geez. brainer. I mean, click, 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 click. There's, but there's no, there's no, there's no installation cost, right? There's oh, no installation. My. I mean, you flip to Bluetooth connection, you're done, right? Headphones, you just stick in your ear. Um, so it does get back to what what Heather was saying. It's got to be extremely simple to install for for just the, the the middle American to be able to put in, whether they work in the AV industry or not. If I ever get fired, I'm going to call you guys first and just say, you know. <laughs> if you like audio gear, man, I'm telling well, you. No, you did, not even that. I mean, you think about this, and this is not a commercial for Harman, but you, you've got if the Harman store. Just think about that for two seconds, right? Yeah. You just trick out your entire house, you know, JBL oh, speakers. And Everybody on my Christmas list ground. is going to be set up this year, so. <laughs> nice. All right. I'm going to be on that list. Yeah, exactly. How do I, how do, how do I, you, you, you know, we could be, I almost said you could be my dad, but you, you, you're, not, you're not that old. I, I stopped myself from saying it. Good. But you did. But I did, yes. Unfortunately, I did say it. Uh, we, uh, it's the light reflecting off the, the dome. That's here, what I'm it sure. is. See, yeah. you've got the dome. I've still got, I've got hair but it's turning gray now so oh, i feel so sorry for you yeah i know you do i, I know that you do um <laughs> all right let's let's continue on uh this Mine was just a, turns clear yeah uh, there you go clear uh th okay so two things first of all th this story came from ee e. times which is a, a electrical engineering uh, magazine and the fact that they're talking about sony makes it very interesting to me uh here's the headline and, and we're gonna start with with heather on this the headline is this, is Sony too big to succeed? Not too big to fail, but is too big to succeed? And they go on to talk about the different verticals that Sony has and some of the issues that they've been having in the, in the past couple years. So Heather, are they, are they too big to succeed? Are they, are they doomed? Yes. <laughs> that took a long time. Well, you know, I, I wrote, um, Sony, I've, I wrote this article said uh, the end of my love affair with Sony because Sony has so much at their disposal that they don't use. Um, Sony is a part of the way, a part of our life, right? Yeah. My first music player was a record player by Sony. We have the Sony Walkman. I mean, it's embedded to who we are, how we grew up. And if they only tapped into that, we'd all buy Sony. It's the exact same way that Apple does, right? So Apple, they talk about how it changes your life and that's how Apple sells. Sony misses that boat every time. And so I've always had this great love affair. It's the one brand through our 30 years, we celebrated 30 years this year of the company that we've sold because it's consistently kept up amazing quality. The problem is, is that they don't, talk to each other. I don't know. They don't, they don't connect because their line this year, I 
almost have dropped them completely. Their bezels are so thick on the bottom and thin on top when all everybody wants is the thinnest they can get. So people walk in and ask for a Samsung. It's it over and over again, they're missing the boat. And you can only do that so many times. This year at Cedia, they had the opportunity. They had all these people in a room, a room full of people that they could they could sell to and instead of saying we changed your life we brought you this you're we're in, instead they gave us the a dog and pony show about their product line they just have failed to capture on what or who they are and in that sense i say yes they're they're <laughs> so big that they they do fail <laughs> yeah all right uh kelly from your standpoint uh, not only is you know avi systems but also I was that for passion that's oh i liked it i liked it <laughs> unfortunately i agree with you uh fortunately for sony uh is is sony uh is sony going bye-bye i mean not obviously today or tomorrow but are, are they on their way down um i mean as far as being too big yeah i think they're too big um they you know we we always laughed at Vadio when i worked there because you know, they, they lose so much money every year. And we would always say, you know, well, we did, you know, $2 billion better than Sony, you know. Like, <laughs> and it's just, That's I think, not where you should set the thresholds. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's just, um, you know, I think they're just, and it's the same with any extremely large company. You know what I mean? If you don't, I think they have their fingers in just too many different things and they, I don't know. I think they're just they're losing focus a bit. And I think But look how big Google is or Apple. I mean you can keep if you have if you have someone at the top, maybe that's what yeah. it is. If you yeah. have something to pinpoint, if you say this is our message, like there are these massive companies that are able to keep with that and they just keep missing the boat. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think I think I think it's a it's a marketing problem. I mean, you hit it on the head. It's it's how they're marketing their products, their brand, their name, and everything to their customers, whether you're commercial or, you know, residential. It's they they do. They need to market better because they have great quality products. I mean, their stuff is good. Like you said, it's been a part of our lives since, you know, we were kids. And it's they do have the opportunity to, you know, grab it by the horns. And I just I don't understand why they don't either. It's 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 a little me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hire Heather, hire Heather and Carol Kelly, and Sony's problems will be over. Uh, Roger, from your standpoint, what's uh, what's going on with Sony? Are they are they down for the count? No, I don't think Sony's down for the count. I think Sony Sony has strategically uh, gotten in and out of markets uh, as they've watched opportunity come and go. Uh, you go back uh, 18 years ago, 17, 18 years ago, they got into the LCD projector market, and we got to watch the in-focus stock crash because Sony said that they were going to get into the LCD projector market. And then how many years ago was it that they announced we were getting out of the LCD projector market? Well, good news for Sony. They got out of a dying market, the LCD projector market. Uh, you know, reading that article that you forwarded for us, uh, I didn't know Sony had pulled out of the TV market. It, yeah. it said that they sold off their TV market. I don't know who bought it. Uh, I've got a Sony TV, an, L an LCD, not an LED or a plasma. Yeah. And, and I like it. I like the picture on it. But I did not realize that Sony was such a big provider of cell phones outside of the U.S. And, and realizing that the Chinese market for Sony cell phones is so large. 
and that the majority of the revenue these days is coming from cell phones, coming from the PlayStation, coming from their Sony Pictures Entertainment area and, and all that different area, they have become such the conglomerate that the AV world and the commodity of much of what we think of Sony as uh, really isn't as important to them as it used to be. Now, this article mentioned briefly their, their, their view, the new thing that they've got coming yeah. out that's going to compete with cable. And then we had the other piece that was just on that. That is an opportunity. I looked at that. The first thing that I thought was, oh, wow, Sony has an opportunity to do something that everyone's waiting for. And that's what we've always looked at Sony as, because we've never looked at Sony as the company that was the Me Too company. We've always looked at them for the Walkman, for the Discman, and for the Trinitron, and everything else that Sony does great, which is being the best and first and setting the standard. So maybe with this PlayStation View, uh, they actually have the chance to do that. Google failed. Google TV was a miserable failure. They keep trying to reinvent that every year, but maybe Sony can get it right. Uh, I look forward to it. Mm -hmm. I, I think that I'm very excited to the idea that Sony is going to reinvent itself in the cell phone. Well, they already are in the cell phones, but everything else. And in Southern California, they play a major role in the, in the movie production studios. So they're, they're not dead here. They're very much alive. It's just they're different from what we knew when we were all younger and couldn't wait to get our hands on a Walkman. No, Absolutely. Uh, Sean, I, I, I ended with you because you are a part of, of a larger conglomerate now, uh, and one that I think does a good job of integrate, not integrating everybody's products into each other, but of talking, right? Uh, your different verticals and your different markets at Harman do talk to each other. Um, so is there something that Sony can do you know, to, to not um, further go down this road that, according to this article, they're, they're on the downswing? Yeah, and I, 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 sh I share the sentimental thoughts, too, that the others do. Uh, being a teenager, you know, from the 80s uh, and, and, and such a music fan, right? I mean, the, the Walkman and the Discman, those are super fond memories, and Sony's always had such great design. Um, and I think, it, uh, to Roger's point, it's how you define Sony now. If you define them as a content company, right, with the stuff that they're doing with uh, in the music and, and film industry, that's one thing. I think we mostly, because of our attachments from when we were younger, we, we, we look at them as a consumer products company, and, and from that perspective, they are, they're failing horribly. And, and that comes all down to innovation. And, and let me tell you, reading through the article, there's one quote that really struck me there. When they say reduce risk and their initiatives to their, to their uh, shareholders to reduce risk and volatility to deliver more stable profits, that flies completely in the face of, cre of innovation. Yeah. Reducing risk and innovation do not go hand in hand. So, and, and, and to Heather's point, that has to be driven from the top down. You have to have a leader, a strong leader, uh, to put focus on and, and, and focus on innovation and be willing to take risks where you're going to fail. You're going to fail, right? In today's world, there's too many strong players out there. You've got to do something extremely differentiating that adds value. And you've really got to think the problem through when you're, that you're solving, um, and you've got to take risk. And if they're in that point where they're starting to play it safe, they're done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, well, let's let's kind of continue this this Sony conversation and and wrap up the the show talking about Sony's new View service. Uh, this is from Ars Technica. The PlayStation, which is a Sony product, View service will stream live TV without a cable subscription. Uh, I have written. Uh, several times about my attempts to cut the cord. Uh, I have failed, uh, mainly because of baseball and my wife. Um, honestly, that, that's really kind of what it boils down to. 
um, the baseball and, and the fact that my wife likes it. Uh, but something like this, being able to watch, you know, um, and not only watch it, but also do on demand. Um, Roger, is this, I mean, is this Sony, like you said, reinventing themselves with this new view service? And, you know, uh, we're getting into this, this show will post on Monday, the Monday right before, uh, the quote unquote busiest shopping day of the year. This show comes out, uh, just in time for Christmas shopping. Um, and, uh, and sales of the PlayStation 4 possibly uh, going up uh, in, in response to that. Well, I think for Sony's sake, they're, they're trying something different, which is, which is the, really the most that a, a lot of us, as we, if, we, if we're looking for Sony to succeed, we want to see them succeed doing something different and, and unique and moving everything else forward. Uh, I don't know if this will succeed or not. I don't think they know. You know, as as Sean mentions, you know, you know they're looking to reduce risk. I don't know how much risk they're going to reduce. What I see as re- re- risk they're reducing is the fact that this PlayStation View is going to start out in the PlayStation. So it's just a piece of software. It's not a piece of hardware yet. As they beta test this and push it out to people, and and in, until they establish a price point, until they figure out well how they're going to charge people for it. Uh, there's really no way to know whether or not they're going to succeed or fail. But that could be a great strategy on their part. As people are very interested in this and they're looking at it and the buzz starts to happen, Sony's created something really cool, this could be the thing that makes Sony great again, that everyone looks at and says, wow, did you get the Sony view? And they could become the innovator. They're already putting together all the agreements. It's only the Disney folks which, you know, obviously when you look at Disney versus Sony, you know, there's a little bit of a, a conflict there. But it's only the Disney channels that are not involved in the view yet as the major channel uh, group. But as this starts to succeed, there's absolutely the opportunity for Sony to do something that hasn't been done. Like, like you said, if it wasn't for baseball, because my wife's the same way, <laughs> uh, if it wasn't for baseball, there would be the opportunity to cut that cord. Yeah. Although, you know, with the hockey, you know, I kind of have to have the cord as yeah. well. But, you know, it's those things that the Sony view is taking into account. You know, we can't use Hulu and Netflix and HBO Go and, and all those different services and get rid of our cable yet. Uh, and then there's the fear, well, what if we go to an a la carte system? You know, how much is that going to charge us? If ESPN is going to charge us $10 for our 25 ESPN channels, how much are we going to pay for everything else? Okay, but see, let, let me take that back a, a bit because this goes back to my, 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 uh, my media studies days. If we do that, right, if we go to an a la carte system, which I think there are, there are reasons for doing that, then what you're going to find is a, you know, oh my goodness, true free market system where some of these channels are going to thrive and make more money hand over fist than they th- ever thought possible with their current contracts with the cable systems. And some of them are going to fail miserably, right? Because some of these cable providers have kind of a strong arm on the, the, the local cable systems and the local satellite and the satellite systems saying, you know, if you don't take my XYZ channel, which I'm trying to get off the ground, then you can't have one, two, and three, right? Uh, and they charge for all of those, you know. Um, here in, in, in St. Louis, you know, Fox Sports is a, is a huge uh, provider of, of Cardinal baseball. If I could buy Fox Sports and I could buy the NFL Sunday ticket and, you know, Disney, like you mentioned, and maybe one or two others, 
I'd be good. You know, I'd be good. And you know what? I'd pay 50 bucks a month for that or 60 bucks a month for that because I'm already paying more than that now for, you know, 85% of, of my cable offerings that I'll never watch. You know, look at the debacle in Southern California. Uh, so a year ago, Time Warner reached an agreement with the Lakers and they got their own channel for the Lakers and they forced all of the different TV providers, DirecTV, Dish Network, Cox, Time mm -hmm. Warner, everybody's carrying the Laker channel, Time Warner Cable Sportsnet. And then they decided to do the same thing with the Dodgers. And the Dodgers channel, you know, it's Sportsnet LA, all of a sudden Time Warner exclusive, guess what? The Lakers channel was such a miserable nightmare for everybody who was involved. They feel like they overpaid so much. And the Lakers product, not that good these days. So <laughs> no one picked up the Dodgers channel. Uh, so the only way you can watch a Dodgers regular season game, you can't go to a bar because bars don't have Time Warner Cable. They've all got direct TV so they can get the football package. Yeah. You have to wait until a Dodgers game is on ESPN or it's the Fox game of the week in order to see the Dodgers on TV or when the Dodgers play the Angels because the Angels are on Fox. What if, you know, we talk about this, this a la carte TV package where you pay for the channel. What if instead of paying for the channel, you paid for programs, kind of like an on-demand program model like you do with, with an iTunes where you're buying a program here yeah. or there. But instead of buying 100%, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week access to Fox Sports, you're buying access to that one game, and it only costs you a couple bucks. There's the opportunity for them to make a lot more money uh, on a channel-by-channel -channel basis, uh, and at the same time, like you said, a opportunity for them to fail miserably mm -hmm. if they don't come out with the content uh, yeah. on that side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sean, from you guys' standpoint, and and from you know because you guys distribute video and you, you're, you're involved in streaming, um, and you as a consumer, you know, what are your feelings about this, the Sony View and, and the opportunities that that a lot of people have have tilted at this windmill, right? Uh, Roger mentioned the fact that Google is still trying to do Google TV. Um, is this is this uh, you know Sony being an innovative or is is it also doomed to fail? I think um, where Sony could really succeed here is because they have they have a tremendous amount of content right. So um, if they can do this right, it all comes down to the how they price this right. Because I've scoured the article because I am a cord cutter and uh, I'm still looking for that perfect solution. But uh, you know Netflix and Hulu Plus again, I don't watch a tremendous amount of sports, so Netflix and Hulu Plus on Apple TV keep me happy and the family happy, but I really would like to have a great solution for just the over-the-air type mm -hmm. things because there's really a gap there. When you look at just, uh, you want to be able, even the sports that come over the air, a way to simply record it, right? We don't have, I mean, sure, there's TiVo, but now you're paying $13 for a TV guide service, right, every month. So I would hope something like this would become uh, uh, doable. I think tying it into a PlayStation, again, now you're getting into, well, I'm an Xbox family. I'm a, if they could break that little piece out, right, tying in with Sony content, that sounds like, again, with the exception of Disney, they're making some good uh, partnerships. That could be compelling. Again, it all comes down to the price point. I think the magic number is $8 a month, right? <laughs> Hulu Plus and Netflix seem yep. to be doing that. I think that's the magic number. Um, so I'll, I'm really going to keep my eye on it. Again, being a cord cutting uh, person at home, um, and again, I'm not speaking from the hardware perspective, yeah. just consumer perspective, I'm really going to keep my eye on it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kelly, from your perspective, um, you know, whether it's you know cord cutting or the way that they're marketing it, tying it into the, the, the PlayStation, um, is this is this a, a success for Sony? Maybe. 
Yeah, I agree with everybody else for that. I think it would be great if they actually came out with like a separate box away from the PlayStation. Because I mean, I have an Xbox, so why would I go out and buy a PlayStation? But I'm not a huge gamer either. So, um, but I mean, I have, you know, I use I use Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, you name it, um, HBO Go, whatever. And then I also have satellite. I have DirecTV, and I hate it. I never watch it. The only time I watch it is if I'm like ironing or working and I have like HGTV on in the background or Food Network or something and I don't really, I don't watch a lot of sports so that isn't a big deal to me either but it's part of my association package so I pay for it anyways. So it's, I mean, if if I wasn't already paying for it so basically getting it for free, you know, with my association, I wouldn't have it at all and I think I would love if Sony could figure this out and I don't know, um, I'm not entirely sure, Roger, that, I mean, I think that Paying for the program would work really well with sports, but I think you'd have trouble with, um, you know, some of the other, some of the other channels like again like Food Network and HGTV and those types of programming because nobody's going to pay for you know Top Chef or something. I mean, like no, but I would. Well, you'd have to give it away really. You'd have to give it away really cheap. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and then things like, uh, for instance, I don't have, again, since I don't have any cable packages, uh, you know, but friends tell, tell you, oh, wow, this HBO series is awesome, it's great. And then you have to wait till the season's over, and then mm-hmm. 20 bucks on iTunes, and you got the whole series, right? I didn't have to pay 60 bucks a month for a long period, so um, you're right. I think it comes down to pricing per show and, and the market, and the market's going to set the price for, you know, how popular that show is. Yeah, I, I it'll did. be a real nightmare for networks if it were to actually go that way because yeah. they could never introduce anything new. It, <laughs> no true. one, no one would ever try anything. They'd have to give it away for free to establish viewers before they could charge for it. Uh, well, and no, maybe I, maybe like the first, you know, maybe do you know half the, the season or something. Yeah. Um, all right, Heather. The reason I'm I'm stopping stop ending this with you is because you and I have kids around the same age. Roger and and, and Sean both mentioned the issue that Sony's having, and that's with Disney. Now, don't just think about Disney as in the Disney Channel and whichever show your kid watches. Disney, big Disney, right? Think about this. Disney owns Disney, obviously. They own Marvel. They own the Muppets. And now they own Lucas. So, that's a big deal. (laughs) That's a huge deal. For Sony not to be able to do now the one the one Marvel character that Sony still owns and there's a contract I don't remember I think it ends up in 2020 or 2025 uh, Sony has the rights to Spider Man that's why Sony is the the, the studio that does the Spider Man films um, but that's a huge isn't that a huge gap not being able to do the Disney shows um, it is although there's other places you could get that I think that the reason that they unfortunately won't be successful and again. Please know I love Sony, but I is because Sony is so proprietary. So Sony has a notorious history of making products that only work well with Sony. And until they can learn to let that go, I don't think that they can move forward and be successful in a cross the world market, cross the country market. Um, so look at their 4K player. When their 4K player came out, so we have Sony and Sony Power, the joke is, oh, you can get this 4K player. It's one of the only ways to get 4K content to your home. You can watch Spider-Man, Spider-Man, and Spider-Man. I mean, <laughs> that's the problem. So that right there they had the opportunity to forge alliances and say, here's a way we could get this 4K content that 
everyone wants to happen, they could get that to the home right there. But instead, they don't notoriously play well with others. So here we are again, and the technology has never been the problem. It's the proprietary that, that becomes the problem for Sony. And that's what makes me fear that it will not work. And, and someone like, you know, it, it places like Apple or even the Googles fail to this point, they have more of this concept of knowing how to play well with everybody. Um, so I do think that they have more of an opportunity to, to do that. Unless Sony has someone again at the helm who's leading a different charge, I think that without a wake-up call, they, won't, they will not be successful. And it's going to be because of a much bigger reason than, than the Disney piece. Uh, they got a lot of unplugged kids and teenagers and, and guys that are playing video games all the time that are going to get that free beta test, and they're going to tell everyone how great it is. And, and I think they're really going about it a good way. So uh, I, I expect some pretty good success from them. Roger, I hope you're right. I want them to succeed. Um, you know, when, when Blue Way run out, I was, I mean, I, I think I literally gave someone a high five because I was oh, like, oh, geez. Sony won, they're back. Um, you know, versus, you know, go farther back, beta v, VHS. And it's because of, of these things that they, they have, you know, historically not gotten off the ground with it. They create the technology. They change our life. They just don't capitalize on it. Yeah, and unfortunately, speaking of the, of the Blu-ray, I think that they won a hollow victory there uh, because it's only been a short amount of time since they won that, and we're already talking about you know um, designing systems with no players in them, right? Where I was I having, can't. I, was, yeah, I haven't watched a disc. I can't remember when. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a, the education facility the other day. Uh, we're getting ready to design a, 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 a renovation for their one of their buildings, and there are no players in this system, right? We're not, we're not designing it. Ninety nine percent of their faculty um, do everything either they, they play stuff off of the off of the cloud, their own internal network, or they play things off of YouTube uh, when they do play videos. So yeah, it's it was uh, it was a good victory for Sony, but uh, I'm afraid it was a, a small hollow one. Um, Real quickly, guys, uh, as as we wrap up here, uh, two things. I just kind of want to let uh, the folks that watch and, and listen to Aviation, uh, a couple things that we're doing. Uh, first of all, uh, this is it, it. It was an interesting decision, I guess. Um, on, on a personal note, I, I don't uh, ask for help a whole lot. I don't. It's not in my nature, and uh, so uh, this was this is an interesting decision for for me personally and and for us as Aviation. But we're doing it. Uh, we're asking for your help to go to ISE 2015. ISE is Integrated Systems Europe, uh, and we're doing so with something called Kickstarter. Uh, if you're not familiar with what Kickstarter is, and there's our page, I hope that you're seeing that. Um, we're trying to get 10 grand to send three folks, um, and if we get more than that, we'll send more folks to cover Integrated Systems Europe. Uh, it is currently the world's largest uh, AV um, trade show. Um, it costs about $3,000 for to send to, for a plane ticket and for a hotel and um, a few extra thousand for the equipment that, that we need to get um, to do the video uh, in the way that we do it. Um, if you've watched our, our coverage of, of Infocom and of, of Cedia, you, you know the quality that we do and, and the types of questions that we ask. Uh, it's not just really a booth tour, it's really a conversation uh, about you know why they're showing it and, and, and what makes their, their latest, greatest gizmo and gadget uh, inventive and, and innovative. So. If you can give, great, cool, awesome, groovy. If you can't, if you can send it to someone uh, that you might think could, that would be really, really appreciated. Uh, we got about two weeks left 
uh, as of this Monday, and we're about $5,500 shy. Um, the kicker with Kickstarter, no pun intended, um, if, uh, if you don't get to 10, if you don't get to your goal, then you don't get any of it. So, um, so help us out if you would, please, uh, it with, with the whole Kickstarter thing. Um, and the other thing that we're doing, and I can't bring it up right now, but we're doing another, let's call it a picture contest, right? Um, our friends over at Advanced AV, uh, John Green and the folks, uh, have kicked in a couple gift cards and, uh, we're using the hashtag AV sweater. So, <clears throat> Some pe- some people are referring to this as uh, as the Christmas sweater contest or, or whatever have you, uh, but just some sort of holiday sweater uh, that you want to um, put a picture up on on Twitter or, or Facebook or where whatever your uh, social media of choice. If you put a hashtag, if you're not familiar with what that is, look for the pound sign or the number sign, and then after that, put the words A V sweater, all one 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 uh, one term there. Uh, and uh, we will choose uh, the best or worst or whatever um, uh, AV sweater that we get between now and, and uh, the middle part of December. We're also going to take a number of these uh, pictures and, and hopefully uh, make a, a Christmas video for AV Nation. I think we're uh, we're trying to get Phil Cordell to, to make a song for us. So uh, those are the, the, the last two things I've got. Uh, so thanks you so much. Heather Sidorowitz, um, I hope it gets warmer for you and melts the snow. It's snowing, Tim. Oh, it's geez, snowing still. again. Oh, yeah. Man. All right. Well, thank you so much. How can people find you and your writings? Um, I write for Residential Systems. If you just check out their website, you'll find me there. Um, I have a, I own Southtown Audio Video here in blustery Buffalo. <laughs> and uh, online on Twitter, you can find me tech underscore chi, balance between life and technology. Yes. And then the... First time I met, met Heather, she she explained that to me. So, actually, the first time I met Heather, she jumped up to me and said, "Hi, I'm Tech Chi," and I it took me a second. So, that was at one of the tweet ups. Kelly Perkins from AVI Systems, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. You guys can find me. I work um, as Tim said at AVI Systems. AVI underscore Kelly. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, and you are also on uh, a new a new podcast here recently uh, with uh, Corey Moss and. Um, Matt Cox, or Mark, Matt Coxon, Mark Coxon. Very cool. Yes. Where, where can we find that? Do you know? No. Okay. Well. <laughs> I don't know yet. All right. Well, when we find out, we'll, we'll put a link to it. How about that? <laughs> Sorry. So, that's all right. Uh, Roger Tekas, happy Thanksgiving. Very nice. Uh, uh, from Atlona. Uh, thank you, sir. Well, thank you for having me again, Tim. Another fantastic time. Um, well, thank you. And, and and getting to meet some great people on this panel. I uh, really enjoyed talking with everybody. Uh, Heather, next time I'm in Buffalo, I'll make sure I come and see you. Oh, please do. Please do. So uh, maybe Niagara won't freeze again this year. I got to see it frozen in February this year. Uh, That's pretty so, cool when that happens. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty scary. But... We're, big, we're actually uh, big Lona dealers as well, so... Well, that's even more reason to come. Yeah, so hey, Tuesday, Tuesday marks my one-year anniversary with Atlona. So, Good for you! Congratulations. Uh, so I'll be I'll be celebrating. How can people uh, people find you, um, either on Atlona's website or Atlona? They can reach me uh, through Atlona's website. You can tweet you can tweet me if you if you so care at Atlona Roger, okay. uh, or you can uh, you know look me up through LinkedIn or any other social media to, to find any way to get a hold of me. All right, very good. Uh, last but not least, my buddy Sean Robinson from AMX by Harmon. 
we go. Tell, oh, jo- tell, go. tell Joe I did that for you. I will tell him. I will tell him. And I'll, I'll also tell him about the other thing for ISC. We'd love to have you out there. Oh, thank you. Share the cold weather with, uh, with some few others. But, I, uh, I, I will point plan. out, not to interrupt, I will point out that the very first two uh, donations we had were both Harmon employees. Excellent. Not to put Excellent. any pressure on anybody else. Not to put pressure on. we got to live up to it. Yeah, but, exactly. but the first two donations were Harmon employees. So, right. yeah. Good deal. We'll how, follow that up. <laughs> how so, can people um, find you? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, LinkedIn, that's Sean with a U, um, and then AMX Talk on the uh, on the social media channels. Yeah. And then uh, for those that will be at ISE, uh, this will be the first year or first time, AMX and Harmon all together in one very large booth. Very so we're cool. combining spaces starting at ISE. All right. That'll be pretty cool. cool. Are you uh, not, if you can't tell me, you can tell me you can't tell me, but are you doing the same thing for Infocom, or do you know that yet? We are. You are, very we good. We are. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. That'd be one massive booth, dude. Because a big one, yeah. Compare if you if if I'm thinking correctly, that I think your two booths, yeah. I think your booth might have been slightly bigger than than Harmon's last year. So, uh, yeah, big time. Bigger. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So well. Yeah, it was. It was well, nice. The Infocom's not you know a super big show for them, but uh, yeah, we'll be definitely uh, combining forces there. ISD is gonna be really really cool. We have our our creative guy. Jeff Kendig, who's doing all the design, working with all the different business units. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Big booth. So. That sounds really complicated. <laughs> <laughs> well, very, very what's, complicated. What, very what's, complicated. What's funny is, is Kelly saying that from from the standpoint of she used to do Vadio's booth. So. Vadio. I remember, and I know we know Kelly from doing that. She's always done a great job out there, yeah, too. So. Yeah, it's a lot of work, though, that she knows, what she very well knows. Yeah. sure she doesn't miss that. You don't miss that, do you, Kelly? Not at all. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I mean, here's the thing. Kelly Kelly did something really smart, right? And this is not, you know, you know Kelly's a, a good friend of mine, and I'm not blowing smoke up. Um, Kelly trained Haley Klein really well, right? Mm-hmm. Haley mm-hmm. kicked butt last year at Infocom. I mean, yes, she, it, it, she yes, just, she Haley Klein is, took Kelly's place at, at, at Vadio. And and the booth last year was was very good, and they had a, 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 a 60s a hippie theme going. Hippie and, theme. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and they even actually had a couple uh, superheroes. So that was I'm not quite sure how that connected to the '60s, but you know, it was it was still cool nonetheless. So, uh, real quickly, um, last thing before we I let you guys go, uh, we do have a couple of guest bloggers coming up. One of them is a Harmon employee. Uh, his name is Chris Backus. Uh, I work with him in my full time job uh, at Innovad. He is uh, one of the people that that um, helps AMX programmers. Uh, and, and Chris did something interesting, right? And, and this is this is somewhat humbling as as somebody that does aviation as much as I do. Chris made it his New Year's resolution, the start of 2014, to listen to every single episode that we've ever done of AV Week. Let me say that again. This is episode 170, right? Chris started out the first of January and listened to all hundred and some odd episodes. Yeah. And then he wrote a blog post about it. So uh, that's coming he's up. This week. He's a he's an Air Force Academy grad. He is he's hardcore. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. And, and you made some really good points. You made some good points. Uh, some good yeah. constructive criticism and and some other stuff. So yeah, uh, check that out this week if you would. Um, as far as Twitter, don't follow me. I just complain about the Bears at this point. Uh, but go by the website if you would please. Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. Holy moly, do we have a lot of cool shows. Uh, the new Power Over Ethernet show with Tony Zotti. Uh, our buddy Phil Cordell is doing a weekly tech rap. He raps the music about the tech news of the week. 
Uh, last week's, he did it live from the CI Summit. This week's is already out and up. So check that out if you would, please. Avianation.tv. Avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week. Thank you.